Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, what is up, One Life Church? It is so good to have you with us today. Hey, before we jump into our message, I want to take a moment. I want to welcome our online church family, everybody at the Civic Center. Throw your hands together today. Welcome our family online, those who are joining us. Come on, let them know how much you love them. Yeah, I'm speaking to you because we love you, we care about you, and you are our family. You're a part of us, and for whatever reason, sometimes it may be distance, it may be whatever it might be, we're just so thankful that you would take some time to hang out with us. It is the joy of our life. All right, we're in a series, it's a relationship series, and uh, we are a message note-taking church, everybody, and it just simply means we love to take notes, and I want to encourage you today, maybe you're single in the room, or maybe you're married, wherever you are on your journey, I am believing that you're going to be some things that you can learn from God's Word and not only learn them, but begin to see the application of how they can come alive in your life and make a difference in your life no matter where you are. And so message notes are not something that we just do. It is a part of who we are, our culture here at One Life Church. So I want to encourage you, if you want to jump in on taking some notes, text OLC notes to 94,000. Text OLC notes to 94,000 and they will go straight to your phone, digital device. Or if you're joining us online, you probably see the notes right there off to the side. All right, somebody say, it's complicated. Come on, say it like you mean it, because I know it's complicated. Say, it's complicated. But it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. See, this series is all about trying to uncomplicate some things when it comes to our relationships. It's a relationship series. Today is part three of that. And the big question that we're trying to answer today, and really honestly, throughout the series, is this. Are great marriages possible? Like, are great relationships, are they possible? Now, the truth is, many of us, we're not quite so sure anymore, right? Why? Because there have been some difficult days. There have been some challenges. There have been some difficulties. There have been whatever hindrances that might have come your way, and you're maybe questioning now whether or not I'm not quite so sure that great marriages are possible. I'd like to believe they are, but I'm not quite so sure. Well, I've got some good news today. No matter where you are, on the scale of this journey, I want you to know that great marriages are absolutely 100% possible, but they're not probable if you're going to continue to do them the world's way. We've got to have a shift and a change of thinking when it comes down to our relationships. Let me show you Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Guys, don't, and not just guys, I say all of us as ladies, men, everybody, like don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And I might add, especially in regards to the way that you do relationships. Why? Because the world's way complicates everything. But good news, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, if, look at the rest of the verse, if you let God transform you, if you'll give God access into your life, into your home, into your marriage, and more importantly, into your heart, he will transform you into a new person. Everybody say new. 
It'll transform you into a new person. What is he saying? He said, I'm going to give you the power that will change your life and give you the ability to do something that you can never do before. And that you, you have a part in the process. And that is that we're going to change the way we think. Why is changing the way we think, being transformed by God, why is it important? You ready for this? The rest of the verse gives us the answer. Because then you will learn to know God's will for you. You'll learn to know God's will for your life, for your marriage, for your finances, for every relationship. You'll learn to know God's will, which, by the way, good news, it is good and it is pleasing. It's pleasing. And I love this. It's uncomplicated. It's perfect. So what is this saying? Well, in the context of this series of relationships, what I take away from this is that the key, one of the keys to uncomplicating relationships is that you and I have to stop buying into the world's system, the world's process, the world's culture and thoughts in and around the idea of how to do relationships. And in fact, we've got to allow our lives to align to God's heart. We've got to experience a miracle that only happens with God in us and through us, through Christ and his Holy Spirit. We've got to allow God to transform us into a new person. How? By just simply changing the way that we think. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Red, I appreciate this. I mean, I love you. I love the church. And, but I just don't think this is possible. I've seen too many, too many ways where this has not worked out, and I'm not buying it anymore. It's impossible. And I get that. In fact, Jesus understood that. In fact, this is why Jesus Christ said this in Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, listen, for people... Like this kind of living, this kind of mindset, like it is impossible. But when you involve God in the process, look at this. For God, all things are possible. In fact, this is New Testament, but let me go back to the Old Testament for a moment and show you where God himself testified about himself. Look at this, Jeremiah 32, 27. He says, I am the Lord. Who is? Not you. No, he is. I am the Lord, the God of every person on the earth. Nothing is impossible for me. And in fact, I shared this next verse last week, but it's important to, re to remind us all that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul said this in Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through Christ. I can have a great marriage. I can have a great family. I can great, have a great home. I can do all things through who? Through you? No, but through Christ, who gives you the ability to do something you could have never done on your own, and that is he will give you the ability in his strength to do the impossible. And so the question again, I'm asking, are great marriages possible? Well, the answer is yes. Great marriages are absolutely possible, but you and I have a part to play in the process. We've got to make some choices. We have to make a choice, number one, to allow God to transform us, giving him permission to infiltrate every area of our life, including the area of relationships, and to change our thinking. So this series is just really simply a series that I would call like change your thinking, right? And so I'm just giving you some ideas to challenge your thinking in regards to doing some things God's way in relationships. And so in week one, we had, we talked about living a sanctified life in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships. Last week, we talked, gave you some new thinking about what it looks like to walk in love, to live in love as it pertains to our relationships. And so today we're going to just tackle another topic and I'm going to do the best I can to like make this fun and enjoyable, but it can also be a heavy topic. And that is around one word. Today we're talking about communication. 
Everybody say, let's talk. And all the women said, amen. In fact, all the women are the one who said, let's talk. All the guys are like, I'm not so sure about this. I'd much rather be watching ESPN right now. So I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but you don't have to go too far to look online or look on social or to watch the news to see that we live in a world that is vile, vicious, vulgar around the topic of the words that we choose to use. I mean, you post anything on social media and just get ready to be annihilated. Like if you're leading anything or trying to do anything or move some, something forward, like if you're not trying to impact change, like you probably won't get annihilated. But if you're trying to impact change or make a difference with your life in any area of your life and you go to social media on it, you're going to get annihilated. Like people are not going to like what you're doing. In fact, I learned this when we first moved here, uh, January 2018, man. I mean, God put a dream in our heart to come alongside and just to love God and love people. And I don't know, I had this unrealistic expectation just to think that everybody would love what we're going to be doing. And so, of course, we would post and we would advertise and all the trolls came alive. Like, who do you think you are? Why do we need another church? I mean, love God. Hey, God doesn't even exist. You know, you need to go back to Alabama where you came from. I'm like, bro, sister, you don't even know me. I love you. I'm for you. In fact, if we hung out, we might actually enjoy doing life together, even though we have some differences. And so I'm just saying anything you ever do, you're just going to get annihilated. And I'm saying, when did this become okay? It's crazy. It's like we're dehumanizing people in every area of our life and culture, and it's everywhere. In fact, when we first moved here, I was kind of learning the areas, and I'll never forget going to the village and being at the village area around Eagle Road around, you know, high traffic time. And uh, I've since learned my lesson. Uh, but uh, if you live or work around that area, God bless you. I'm praying for you extra hard every day. But I'll never forget trying to pull out in traffic. And there was a lot of traffic. There was an accident or something that was keeping everything blocked up. And uh, I was just trying to like do a little nudge. You know how you do a nudge in a car? You're like, hey, I'm here. Will you let me in, right? And all the cars were doing this, trying to pull out on the Eagle Road. And there was a guy in the car that was just kind of nudging up to like, hey, like I'm not going to let you in front of me. And I'm like, for the love of God, like, <laughs> we're like, I'm just trying to get home, right? And so I'm looking over and the guy's not making eye contact with me. You know, he's kind of leaning back doing that laid back, you know, look like out here at the clouds and at the sky and whatever, like not even trying to acknowledge the fact that I'm in this car trying to make my way into traffic. And so, but thank God for the grace that God put this little girl in the passenger seat of this guy's ride, because if it had not been for her, I'd probably still be stuck there today because let me tell you what happened. Okay. Like the little girl looked at me and we made eye contact. I was like, please help me. I just trying to get out, please. Like, you know, and she looks at me and she looks at her dad. She noticed her dad's not noticing. She taps her dad on the shoulder and her dad kind of looks over at her and she's like, points at me. And then all of a sudden he looks at me. We make eye contact and I look hopeful, right? And he's like, come on, like, right? So what happened in that moment? See, before that moment, I was just a car. I was not a person. But in that moment, when we made eye contact, I went from a car, I went from a car to a human. Like humanity kicked in at that point. And so all I'm trying to say is that, guys, when it comes to our words, specifically around the topic of our relationships, may we not get in the place where we dehumanize our family, our friends, and those closest to us. May we learn to value each other's humanity and communicate in a way that brings life, 
Now, some of you are thinking, oh, great. Okay, I see where this is going today. And some of you are thinking, well, man, I messed up already on the way to work today or to church today. In fact, maybe this week there were some words that were shed, you know, or shared in some things. And you're like, oh, man, I screwed up. Can I just tell you, thank God for the grace that is Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, to meet us where we are, and to help us get better. Like none of us are perfect, including me. I'm sharing my stories today uh, in hopes that you see some humanity in myself as well as a leader. And so all I would like to say is, although we are not perfect, we cannot hide in the excuse of being not perfect. We have some responsibility. And although we're not perfect, we cannot continue to make excuses around this idea of getting better. We have to get better. So what do we do? Well, again, the big idea, what I'm trying to bring us around is we have got to make a choice. We've got to allow God to transform our heart, turn us into this new person, this new creation that he's always intended us to be. So that way that we can learn how to change our thinking. Because when we change our thinking on top of being transformed, Everything gets better. It uncomplicates things. So around this idea of communication, I thought I would start with this. I love this quote. George Bernard Shaw says this around communication. He says, guys, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. It's like, we're all thinking that we're communicating because our lips are moving, uh, you know, and so therefore we think we're connecting. But just because our lips are moving doesn't mean our hearts are connecting. You see, communication has nothing to do with lip service. Communication has everything to do with connection. That is the goal. And so today, bringing you some new thinking around the topic of communication, whether it's marriage, whether it's relationships, wherever you are, it's important. And so I'm going to give you uh, four things kind of on the front end. Uh, I'm going to show you four levels of communication. These are not things that I made up. In fact, these are things that uh, people have spent many years in universities discovering about communication. And so therefore, I'm bringing you their wisdom. All right. And so there's basic four levels of communication. Then there are four barriers to communication. And then I'm going to end this message with some practical tools on how we can live this thing out God's way. So what are four levels of communication? Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. And that is uh, typically a lot of us live here and that's surface, surface communication. Uh, these are the cliches in life. These are how are you doing? I'm doing good. And you? Right, like these are the drive-through conversations at Dutch Bros when you're getting your coffee. You know, it's like, I, I don't really have the intent on getting to know you on a really personal level, but I will talk to you on a surface level so I can get my coffee and continue to make my way on down the road. And so like for social media, a lot of this is just, you know what, I'm gonna like that, or I'm gonna dislike that, or I'm gonna like this, or dislike, like it's just a surface level communication. Second goes a little bit deeper than surface. And this is where, if we're honest, many of us live. And that is general information, general information. And so the way this plays out in a home or in a marriage is typically like, hey, I'll be home late tonight. Or, hey, will you be sure Johnny like studies for his test or does his homework? Hey, don't forget to do the laundry. Or, hey, while I'm out, I'm about to come home. Is there anything I need to pick up from the store? Like it's a transactional communication of just general information. And unfortunately, many of us live in this realm. It's like we're living together, but we're just passing information along back and forth as transaction in our homes from husband 
to spouse, to kids, to nieces, to whatever it might be. And the truth is there is a much deeper level that God wants you and I to experience in our lives, in our homes, and in our relationships, especially in a marriage relationship, okay? And so guys, I want to speak to you for a moment. In fact, I'm going to help you out. If you're not taking notes right now, you need to pull out your phone. You need to write this down because I'm going to help a brother. You ready for this? The four most romantic words that any man can say in a conversation. You ready for it? And then what happened? I thought I'd get a huge amen from all the ladies on that one. So when these four words come out of your mouth and your wife (laughs) passes out for a minute, you know, like revive her, bring her back to life, help her stand up, and then get ready to sit down with her, look her in the eyes, and do one of the hardest things for every man on the planet, if you're honest, and that is listen, listen. See, guys, oftentimes we think we're listening, but we're not. And I'm just going to speak for myself. I can't speak for you, okay? And uh, the honest truth is many times we're listening not to understand or we're not really listening to learn. We're listening on how to respond because we've already got the problem figured out and we know how to fix it. Come on, somebody, right? Why are we wasting this emotional energy? Here's the answer. Why? Come on, right? And see, oftentimes we think we're listening, but we're not. We're more interested in our response. And Then we begin to wonder and ask the question, why in the world is intimacy, and I'm not talking sexual intimacy, that is a part of it, but why is intimacy between me and my wife, why is it it complicated? Why is it difficult? Why Why are there some barriers here? You ready for it? It's because you're not listening. You're not listening. And by the way, let me clarify something. Listening doesn't always mean you have to agree, okay? Listening just means that she's heard. Listening simply means that her emotions matter. Listening means that she is so valuable that even though she already knows you don't understand, but listening says that you're so valuable to me that even though I don't quite understand, I'm willing to sit with her in her emotions and in her feelings just to listen and to maybe just gain some perspective without responding and trying to fix it. Trying to fix it. Y'all, I'll be married going on 16 years this April, and I'm just starting to figure this out, like in, you know, this year 16, right? 15. And so I'm just trying to help somebody, you know, (laughs) to grow. And so are great relationships possible? Yeah, they're absolutely possible. But we got to go from this kind of this general sense of information, service level communication and get to the place where we can experience the next level of communication. And that begins when we listen. And that leads us to a place that really God's designed for all of us. And that is deep feelings, deep feelings, wonderful feelings, right? Deep feelings. Guys, whether you want to admit it or not, we all have feelings. Every single one of us, we all have feelings. And the truth is, feelings aren't always right, but feelings, they're always real. Feelings are always real. And if you're ever going to have a great marriage, we have got to get to the place where we create safe space, safe conversations, safe opportunities to hear, to listen, not with a response in mind, with just a matter of understanding, creating a safe place where feelings are shared. And I just need you to understand it's unfortunate that many of us, we never cross this line into this. 
So we never get to experience the deeper levels of intimacy that God always designed for us because we're much more comfortable living with a general conversation or the surface level conversation because we've never really been taught how to deal or how to handle emotions with listening and sitting in them and talking about them. Okay? And so one of the main reasons we never get to this place is one word, and we're going to talk about this more next week, and that is conflict. Everybody say conflict. See, a lot of us think that when we get married, that conflict should not exist. Like we think it's like some Disney princess movie, right? You know, oh man, they get married and they live happily ever after. The problem is Disney doesn't tell you the rest of the story. There's conflict. Conflict is a part of life, especially on this side of humanity, everyone. And so conflict doesn't exist for things to get worse. Actually, conflict, when you know how to handle conflict in a healthy way and be able to listen, understand, and then not respond out of emotion, but be able to come together in agreement, what begins to happen is that conflict draws you closer together, creates some friction and momentum that should ultimately push you to a place of healing and hope and inspiration to move your marriage down the field so that it becomes even healthier. Er, And so next week, you don't want to miss it, just dropping a little tease bomb on you, okay? Like next week, we're going to be talking about conflict and how to handle it God's way. God has a lot to say about it, and hope and healing can come from it. But we don't know how to handle it, so therefore we, we settle back to general information and surface-level communication, and we never get to experience these deep feelings, all right? So then there's one more level that goes a little bit more beyond deep feelings, and that is number four. And that is deep needs, deep needs. And this is really where you're ultimately communicating on just the most intimate, personal, trusted level. And this is where God's design has always been for us, this deep needs communication. Now, anywhere you find a great marriage or a healthy marriage, one that's been around for a while and not perfect, but although healthy, what you're going to find is you're going to find a marriage that isn't just operating in some general information, surface level information. You're going to find a marriage that has learned how to create some safe places, not to respond, but to listen and just to try to gain an understanding. And then all of a sudden, when a woman feels like their emotions can be just trusted and you're not going to trample on them and try to figure it out and they just feel heard, all of a sudden now you're leaning into deep needs and on deep needs, this is a beautiful place to be because it's not just a woman serving a man's need, but it's a man also serving a woman's needs and it's your deepest needs. And it's a beautiful place that God has designed for all of us to be able to experience. It is possible to live there. And so the reason many of us aren't is because of barriers, Barriers that you and I have bought into through the world system that we've got to break free from. So it's important for us to understand the barriers so that we can become self-aware so that we can do something about it. So what are those barriers? Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. One of the biggest barriers is withdrawal. It's a little hard to say for this southern boy. Withdrawal. Just the mention of that word, some of you are kind of already like kind of withdrawing. So there are two types of withdrawal. Maybe you've experienced them. Uh, there is the last word, withdrawal. That's where you get frustrated, you get mad, somebody gets loud, they slam a door and go, whatever, bam, and they walk out of the room. But they're the last person to have the last word, so therefore they feel like they're winning in the argument side, Right? But then there's a whole other level, which is the whole silent treatment withdrawal. And, uh, you know, some of you are really good at this. 
Like you can make it not just last for hours, but days and weeks and months at a time, right? It's this silent treatment. And before we start, you know, kind of looking just at ourselves, like every single one of us are guilty of this, including myself. Um, and so when I'm thinking of the silent treatment, I've shared this story before. Uh, it's the best one that I have in regards to it. It was a guy, uh, a man and woman, they were married. They were kind of frustrated with each other. They were withdrawing and uh, they were playing this silent treatment game. And so <laughs> the woman always woke up earlier than the husband because her job started earlier and she would typically be kind to wake him up and kind of just say, hey, you know, just letting you know I'm about to walk out the door. And then he'd get up. Well, this one day they're playing a silent treatment. They weren't talking to each other. And and the man had a flight to catch. So he needed to be up at 5 a.m. the next morning. And so he was like, okay, she's always good at waking me up. And so, you know, but I don't want to lose this silent treatment game, right? His pride's kicking in. So he's like, ah, I got a great idea. This is what I'll do. I'll pull out a piece of paper and I'll write, uh, please wake me up at 5 a.m. And then I will put that on her bathroom mirror. So when she's up in the morning before me, she'll see it. And she'll be so kind to wake me up and I'll still win the silent treatment game. So as you can probably already kind of guess where this is going, the guy wakes up the next morning. It's 9 a.m. He misses his flight. He's frustrated. He's mad. He's like, I cannot believe she didn't wake me up. And then he glances down at his nightstand and he sees a note. And the note says, wake up, it's 5 a.m. <laughs> I don't care who you are, that's funny. <laughs> you are never going to win, my fellas, okay? Go ahead and concede. But a barrier is withdrawal. Second barrier to good communication in a relationship is escalation. Escalation. This is where things start to get heated, start to get mad, start to get angry. And I think it's important for every man to understand that research shows that when our heartbeat exceeds 115 BPM, all of a sudden, the way that scientists say it, and I'll just say it in plain English, we lose our minds. That's what we do. We lose the ability to have any kind of rational thought. And so ladies, just so you know, if you're thinking, why in the world is my husband doing stupid? It's because we've lost all irrational ability for thought because our heartbeat and BPMs is above 115 BPMs. This is a true story. So escalation is something that will definitely complicate a relationship. And that ultimately leads to number three, which is the barrier, and that is belittling belittling. And this is where due to our own insecurities in our life, we begin to degrade each other in an effort to make us feel just a little bit better than the other person. So we make them feel less than to kind of uplift us. And so uh, there was a couple, um, they had an appointment they had to be at. They were in this, you know, escalated belittling stage and the husband just thought he would be quick-witted and so as they're driving to this appointment across town they just happened to be driving past this farm there was cows and then there were some pigs and he's like I got one hey those pigs uh are they relatives of yours and, uh, yeah right I get it and she's like man I wish I could be this quick-witted she said yep in-laws so 
Never win, guys. Never going to win. All right, here's the fourth barrier, and that is false belief. Number four, false belief. This is where we've created something in our mind that, honestly, it's not even real. Like, it didn't even happen, but we've rehearsed, like, the scenario in our mind so much that we begin to believe it's truth. And I just need you to understand, when you start buying into false belief and these lies, it is a trap set by the enemy to destroy your marriage, to destroy your home, to destroy the generation of your family line. This is a trap that the enemy wants to set every single one of us into. And I'm saying, as for me and my house, I'm not setting foot in that trap. I'm going to recognize that trap. And that's why I'm bringing this trap to your eyes today. And I just need you to understand when you start believing a lie, it's time to start speaking the truth of God's word over your life. You know what? No weapon formed against me will prosper. This trap has to be defeated because greater is Christ in me than he that's within the world. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. And I'm not going to buy into this false belief that they did this or said this and when they didn't even do it. Is this helping anybody today? Is it possible to have a great marriage? Yes, absolutely, 100% possible. It's not probable if you're gonna do things the world's way, but it's absolutely possible if you and I decide to make a choice. What do we know? The choice that we know that we need to make is to allow God access into our heart to do what? To transform us into a new person. How? By changing the way we think, especially in regards to relationships and especially in regards to communication in relationships. So all of that to set up to say, okay, what does it look like? Pastor Ed, I'm all in, man. Like, I want to grow. I want to learn. I'm not looking to yesterday. I'm not looking to the moments before the service started. I'm looking to today. How can I get better today? What are some practical things? Now, if you know me, if you've been here for a while, I am a cookies on the bottom shelf kind of guy. I want to make it as easy as possible to walk out. So here we go. With simplicity in mind, number one, write this down. When it comes to communicating God's way, it ultimately begins with prayer with prayer. Uh, Some of you are thinking, what in the world does prayer have anything to do with communication in a relationship? My friends and family in this room and joining us online, it has everything to do with relationships. In fact, maybe you've heard this statement, a couple who prays together stays together. And I know that's some Christian cliche, but there is so much truth in that statement. So let's back it up a a level. So what is prayer? What is prayer? It's simply, you ready for this? Real simple. Prayer is a conversation, but it's not with you. It's a conversation with God. It's talking to God. And I'm just saying, I can't think of a better place to go than to go to the one who created communication to ask him about communication. And so what does it look like? Here's plain and simple. This is the way I live my life. This is how I pray and talk to God. You ready for this? When it comes to communication, I'm like, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. I need help. I need help. Um, Because I have the ability to just mess things up and complicate them even more. And I need you to help teach me how to live a life in communication. Now, a lot of wonderful things happen when you involve God in the process. And in fact, we see some examples of this in the Psalms. Look at Psalm 34, verse 4. We see David, this shepherd boy who eventually became a king. He says this. He said, I asked the Lord for help. Now notice God's response. And he answered me. 
like he didn't like just kind of shove me off and go, whatever, I'll get to you later. No, no, no. God answered David. In other words, God's presence showed up on the scene when David began to pray. And notice what happened in the presence of God. David's perspective began to change. In that, look at what he said. He saved me from all that I feared. My perspective up until the point before I talked to God was that I was living in fear. I was living in worry. I was living in anxiety. I did not know how to communicate well. But then when I prayed, God answered me. And not only did he answer me, he showed up on the scene. His presence filled my heart and my life. And all of a sudden, now my perspective changed and I am not walking in fear in my relationship anymore. So what happens when you pray? When you involve God in the process and you have a conversation, his presence shows up. And when his presence shows up, our perspective changes. We begin to see things that we never saw before because now we're getting to see them through not our lens of humanity, but God's lens of humanity. It not only changes, and here's a really cool thing, it not only changes your heart when you pray, but what I'm about to show you is that it also changes your mouth. It changes your words. It changes your communication. Look at this. Psalm 16, verse 8 through 9. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. In other words, this is his poetic way of saying, I just involve God in the process. I'm talking to him. I'm having conversation with him. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on the Lord. And by the way, with him at my right hand, when the presence of God shows up in my life by inviting him into it, I will not be shaken. Again, change of perspective. Like I will be shaken if I'm not praying and asking God, but I will not be shaken when the presence of God shows up. So therefore, notice the heart change. My heart heart is glad and my mouth, my tongue begins to talk a different way. My tongue begins to rejoice. My tongue begins to bless. My tongue begins to take on a new identity character in nature that is not myself, but in God. When I pray, when you pray and God shows up, your perspective changes, your mouth changes and your communication changes. This is good preaching. Thank you. Amen. Great communication starts with prayer. It consists of that. Another element. Number two, Please understand how important this is. Affirmation. Affirmation. I just want to speak to parents because this is a relationship series. So it's not just about marriage. This can be applied in every aspect. But let's talk about parents to kids for a minute. Parents, it's so important that you affirm your kids even when they're messing up. It's important that you affirm their kids. In fact, this is so important that God himself even demonstrated this to his one and only son. God will always demonstrate what he expects us to live and walk out. So this is important from a heavenly father to a heavenly son who is our savior relationship. So how much more important is this to us to apply into our life? Look at this, Matthew 3, 16 through 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is God speaking to Jesus after his baptism by John the Baptist. This is my son, whom I love, and I'm very well pleased. In other words, this is my son. I love him, and I am so proud of him. God revealing to humanity his love, his affirmation for his son, for all to hear, for all to hear. And so every day, you can ask my son every single day, not missed one day of this. And when I'm out of town, that would be the only time if he goes to bed before I can get back. Every day I tell him, son, I love you. I'm proud of you. 
You're my son. And I may not do it in that order, but I say those exact same three words every day. Every day, if I have the opportunity and the honor to take my son to school, before he gets out of the car, I'm like, hey, remember who you are. You're my son. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're going to change the world. What am I doing? I'm showing affirmation. Why? Because I'm smart enough and wise enough to come up on this on my own? No, because I've seen God demonstrated to Jesus and I know how important it is for me to be affirmed. And so therefore it is my role as a husband and as a father to affirm the gift that is my son in my life. And some of you are thinking, well, doesn't he ever make mistakes? Yeah, of course he makes mistakes. Guess what? I make a lot more mistakes than he does. We all make mistakes. And so I just need you to understand that I don't speak this over. I I will never identify my son with his mistakes. I will always identify my son with his true identity. So I'm like, son, I know who you are. Like what you did, that is not who you are. Like, I know what you did. That's not who you are. You're my son. I love you and I'm proud of you. Now I might be disappointed, but I'm still proud of you because you're my son and I love you. And we're going to work through this thing together. Words and affirmation are so important in a marriage, in a home, from parent to kids. Proverbs 18, 21, everybody, simple reminder, you know this. The tongue has the power of life and death. In fact, those who love it, and I love it. I want life in my home. Those who love it will reap its reward, will eat its fruit. Every single one of us, whether we like to admit it or not, we are all products of the words that have been spoken over us, good or bad. And this is why small groups are so important, everyone. Why do we do small groups? Because every single one of us need a place, need a family, need a community where we can come in, be ourselves, like just be very vulnerable, real, and go, I'm messed up this week. I've got some issues. I'm trying to figure it out. And we got people that come alongside us and affirm us and go, you know what? I know that's what you did. That's not who you are. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to figure this thing out. We got your back. You are not alone. We all need this, especially our kids. Our kids need this safe place in our homes. And by the way, this is why I love our kids' life team so much. Because your kids are back there, and they're not just being entertained. They're having a good time. But you know what the leaders are doing right now as I'm speaking? They're going, God loves you. You know what? And so do we. They're like, we're proud of you, man. You're a world changer. You're going to have so much fun growing. You're going to change the world because Jesus lives in you. What are they doing? They're affirming the identity of God and Christ Jesus in their life. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. This is what's happening in your kid's life department. Can we throw our hands together and show some love for our kids team right now for the love that they show? Amen. And so I just simply want to encourage you to try it. Try it. And just see how the power of God will come alive and transform you, change your thinking, change your life, your home, your marriage, and your relationships when affirmation exists in a home. So are great relationships possible? Yes, they're not probable, but you got to do things, not the world's way, God's way. So it consists of prayer. It consists of affirmation. Number three, we talked a lot about this last week, but I'll mention it one more time. That is affection. Affection. So if you missed last week, can I encourage you maybe to go back online, go to the website, find it on our podcast and listen to it. But the big idea is John 13, 34. And that is Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. We will never be able to ever give this kind of love 
until we're experiencing it ourselves, until it is being deposited within our own spirit so that we can withdraw from that account and give it away. In our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships, affection has to be present in order for us to uncomplicate things in our lives. So I said last week, say it, write it, you know what, give it, forgive it, and live it. And so just trying to give you some practical ways. I want to close with the fourth one. And uh, that is kindness. 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 Great communication consists of kindness. What does kindness say? I think that's a great question to ask. You know what I believe kindness ultimately says? It says that I love you enough and you are valuable to me that I'm going to create a safe environment where you feel safe, where you feel valued, where you feel protected, where you feel cherished, and where you feel like you're safe. You're safe. This is what kindness does. Look at Proverbs 15.1 as we close. A gentle answer does what? A gentle answer, kindness it turns away wrath. But a harsh word, look at the byproduct. A harsh word, cutting, degrading. Ah, man, that's just going to stir up a brother's heartbeat over 115 BPMs and you're going to lose all control. This applies to men and women. A harsh word is just going to continue to stir the pot. And sir or ma'am, just because you get loud, and you think you get your way for a moment, it doesn't change their heart. It destroys it. It destroys it. Proverbs 12, 18. Some people that do things the world's way, that buy into the culture of the world, of everything that we're seeing in our country and nations today, the people that align themselves to the world, well, they're going to make cutting remarks. Like that's the expectation. They make cutting remarks. But the words of the wise, the words of men and women of One Life Church and the One Life Online family, the words of the wise, those who said, you know what? I'm going to align my life and allow God to transform it by changing how I think. The words of the wise, they show kindness and they bring Words of the wise, men and women of God, our words don't bring death, don't bring destruction. No, our words, they bring healing. So then what should our response be? What's our response? My hope is that our response would be out of Colossians 3.12 today. And that is be merciful. Like the same mercy that you've, you deserve because you're not perfect either and you're going to make mistakes. Show that same type of mercy. Be merciful as you endeavor. Like this is a, a journey. It's not a one and done. It's a journey to endeavor to understand others. Not respond to others. To understand others. We get to a place of understanding by opening our heart to listen when we listen, it leads to the deep feelings and deep needs of this uncomplicated relationship. Understand others and be compassionate 
And my question is, how in the world, how do we do this? How? And he gives us the answer. By showing kindness towards all. Not just those who are kind to us. Not just those who are good to us. No. To all. To all. So I want to close with this last verse. Powerful verse. And I love it because of the powerful promise that is attached to it. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. So dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter or I close this message today with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. That's a nice way of saying grow up. It's time to man up, time to woman up. It's time to take a step in the right direction. How? By encouraging each other. Pray for each other. Affirm each other. Have affection. Be kind. All these things that I'm talking to today on the ways we live this thing out practically. Live in harmony and peace. And then, here's the, pro- the promise. It's so beautiful. When you live this type of life, it's and then the God of love and the God of peace will be with you. Be in your home, be in your life, be in your marriage, be in your relationship, which is my hope and our church's hope for you, which is the desire of every person's heart today is that God's love and God's peace resides not only in us, but resides through us that ultimately brings health, hope, healing, love, kindness, peace, patience, goodness, and the beautiful fruits of the Spirit in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships. Kindness, love, affection, it uncomplicates things. So it's complicated right now, but my hope is that you see it doesn't have to be. The choice is up to us. We bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few moments. I really do want to pray for you. God, I recognize in this moment that your presence is here. I thank you for your faithfulness to us as your sons and daughters, as we call on the name of Jesus. God, your word says that your presence just shows up and it's here today, manifest in and through our family and friends. And God, in this moment, I'm, I want to pray specifically for those who have been devastated by words, those who have been hurt and cut deeply, maybe all the way from childhood, and it has impacted and brought trauma mentally and emotionally throughout every stage of their life. I pray for them today. And I pray that in your presence, that God, they would begin to experience a love that transcends their understanding. And that God, that they would experience a peace that brings hope, but honestly brings healing at the deepest level within their heart and their life. God, I'm praying for those who have actually hurt people with their words. And I know God, even me, (laughs) I know that I've done that for a time or two. And as hard as it is to admit, And God, I'm asking and praying for those who have hurt people with their words, whether it was spoken directly behind their back or to them, wherever it may be. God, forgive us. Help us. God, bring healing into the hurt of our own heart that triggers the hurt that we speak over other people. Help us. Heal us. God, we give you permission to have access into our heart today to allow us to become the man or woman, God, that you called us to be to take our relationship from a surface general conversations to something that goes to a much deeper and intimate level of feelings and needs that can only happen and is possible through Christ in us. I ultimately pray that every single one of us, God, in this room and online, begin to experience your affirmation, that begin to experience your love, 
and your grace and the hope that is Jesus because we can't do all things through ourselves. We need your help in the process. We lean to you for your strength to give us the ability to do something we cannot do on our own. So we give you this time in our hearts now in this moment. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I just want to speak to one more group of people. There are some of you here or online who are watching us and listening right now. And you're like, man, all of this is great. Man, I want to apply it. But the truth is, like you mentioned earlier, to love as I've been loved by God. And you're at this place, you're like, I've never experienced the love of God. Like if you were honest, you would truly say, I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. And if that's you, I got hope for you today. You can have a relationship with God and you can begin to experience the miracle of what we Christians call salvation. Now, salvation is simply where your spirit connects to God. And the way we do that is through something we talked about earlier. And that's communication to God. That's prayer. And so I would love to lead you in a prayer today. If you're like, man, I, I want to come into a relationship with God. I want to experience his love. I want to experience his hope. I want to give my life to God. If that's you, it would be my honor to pray for you right where you are today. Listen, I'm not, if you're in the room, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to do anything embarrassing at all. But wherever you are in this moment right now, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus, we want to pray with you right where you are. In fact, we're a family. Families pray together. So I want to encourage everybody in this room, you know, just to, just to say this prayer out loud. And this, you're saying this for the first time, just mean it with all your heart. Just say something like this. Just say, God, today, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for your love for me. I accept it. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I believe that he died to pay for my sin, to bring me into a relationship with you. I believe that he ascended to heaven and he sits at the right hand of you. And so today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Come live on the inside of me and change me. Transform me. Make me more like you. I give you my life because you gave me your life. Help me to live in love as I receive your love today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, I know several of you have said that prayer today for the first time. Come on, let's celebrate with those. Everybody in the room, throw your hands together. Show some love and appreciation. Yeah.